Welcome to The Barbell Strikes Back. I'm your host, James McDermott, and Lester Ho is joining me once again on the show. For those of you who have been listening for quite some time, Lester was a guest previously all the way back in the beginning on episode number 11. And now we're here catching up again. Lester, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Uh, thanks for having me on the podcast again, James. And, uh, you know, it's nice always to be able to catch up with you know, uh, uh, a close friend, you know, uh, in weightlifting. Yeah, it's, um, it, it, we haven't talked for quite some time, you know, just here and there through social media, but it's great to catch up with you. It's hard to believe that the last time we talked face to face like this was all the way back when the world was much different. And now yes, here we yes. are, you know, we're, we're able to be back in our gyms, weightlifting yep. meets are going down. You just did a weightlifting meet yesterday. And we were just talking about that a little bit before we started the show, but it's uh, yep. it's like we're in the future now. We're in a different world. Yeah, it's almost like you know those sci-fi sci-fi films where you see like you know five years later and then things are floating and all that kind of stuff. It's yeah, only it's we're like, starting uh, to get there. It's like in um in Infinity War and Endgame. Five years later, yeah, here we yeah. are, now, <laughs> coping with everything that that happened. Yep, yep. And I mean, I I assume you know going back to that episode, there was probably a lot of speculation on like will this ever end will we ever be able to get back in our gyms will we ever see a weightlifting meet again or be able to participate in one so it really is a, a little crazy when you think about yeah it. I, I i agree with that it's almost like to the extent where you're right where it feels like oh you know we don't know what the, the future looks like but then this time around i feel like we know what what it's going to look like and we are kind of like prepared for it so even if you know things things go back into like for us we go back into a bit of a lockdown we know what to expect and we know what to do you know we don't just go around like hitless uh, chickens and not knowing where to go and all that kind of stuff you know straight away my like my guys we already we're ready for our training at home you know going online with zoom you know that kind of thing so so i think it's a very different feel now with the with with how we're approaching the whole pandemic thing Exactly. I mean, when it first happened, it kind of showed you maybe how you weren't prepared, you know, like, like, hey, like we didn't have at Albany CrossFit or for our, our barbell club, any kind of system in place should the gym have to close down. And I mean, yep. the gym could close down for any number of reasons. Maybe the water you know, line breaks or something and we can't go in there yep. for a week, you know, but we didn't have a contingency plan. What would we do in that situation, especially during the winter? And now, you know, we're all a little more mindful of things like that. So I guess that's one good thing to kind of come out of it. We're more prepared and conscious of what we need to yep. do for prepping for the future. Yep. Yep. Agree with that. I definitely agree with that. Which I mean, I, I feel like as being weightlifters, we are in the habit of prepping for the future because we always have a competition coming up on the schedule here and there. You yep. just had one this past weekend. How did that go? Uh, it went really well. I had I had only one lifter. I had, I was supposed to have two, but unfortunately, the other lifter had to withdraw from the competition. Uh, it was just a local meet that the the organization or our association organized for us to be able to qualify for other comps um, because we didn't we didn't have a whole calendar last year. So a lot of our guys were behind with having to qualify for things like nationals or even like you know, world masters, you know, events like that. And they organized this comp so that we had the opportunity to do that. 
and I like I was just telling you, you know, probably about the weekend before, we went into a lockdown, a five-day lockdown. So while we were preparing for the calm, like my 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 lifters would always start with a taper week before the calm. Um, we were starting the taper week in lockdown. So we weren't, we weren't even sure whether we were going to have the calm or not, but we just went ahead with it. Uh, but eventually, Mira, she, she came up really well with her lifts, you know, P-beat all her calm or PR'd all her calm lifts. So PR in the snatch, PR in the clean and jerk, PR in the total. You know, so we're, yeah, we're, we're pretty happy with the result of it because we did put in a lot of work before that and even during the lockdown to get to, get to where we were. Uh, and more importantly, I feel like we did have a test run with like an online or a, a online version of the comm at the gym when we had the opportunity to open up in the gym. So, so we were able to see that progression. And I think what, what that is, is it's like what you were saying, we're able to see further into the future now. We're able to go, oh, okay, you know, despite all this, taking into context the pandemic, the 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 uncertainty of when whether we'll be in in lockdown or not, we were still able to prepare and improve and progress. So it gives us like hope and not only just for her, but for my other lifters to go like, oh yeah, we can actually progress and get ready for a calm despite what's happening around us. So I yeah, I'm, uh, I'm really happy with the results. I like I like the way you said that. It um it gives us hope. And it keeps hope, you know, prolonged, you know, it keeps hope going where, you know, if something like that happens, I, it would be very difficult if, you know, you're, you're training away, you're starting to taper, a lockdown happens, even if it's just a five day lockdown, we know, yep. we know the games, we know that could easily turn into a little bit longer than, than five days. And then you might start to lose hope on, well, I might not be able to do this. Next thing you know, yep. you're not picking up the bar. You're not doing your stretching. You're not doing your recovery yep. work. You're staying up late, just, you know, on the internet, maybe mad, eating snacks, who knows? And then all of a sudden they're like, hey, the meat's on. And you're like, well, I stopped preparing because I lost yep. hope. Yep. So, it, yep. and I mean, that's that's a, a major function of, of you as a coach is to be that beacon of hope and to tell your athletes, hey, no, 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 we still have a job to do. You still have to be ready. And heck, if the meat gets canceled, guess what you're doing in your garage on meat day? We're, we're going to do that meet. I'm going to be center judge on Zoom. There you go, you know. Well, I, I think you put it exactly how I would, I would have said it. And it, it, is, it is that, you know, we have that responsibility as a coach to, to, give, to give an idea of what could be possible, you know. And, and regardless of what it is, you know, we can always, like I was saying to her, if the, if the comm gets cancelled, then we'll just have a, we'll just have a, you know, in your garage or your shed or whatever it is, you, you, you will just go heavy, you know, and, and see what we get from it, you know, because we do want to, we do not want to waste that effort of preparing and, and be able to go, oh, okay, we can still see improvements in your lifts from there. See, Yeah. And then, you know, the last eight, 12 weeks of training, you know, doesn't feel like it was all for nothing. And even if the, the comp didn't happen and you weren't able to have that training day, for me, that eight weeks, 12 weeks was still so valuable. So much growth happened oh, yeah. in that, but it's easy for me and it's easy for you to see that and have that opinion. It's hard for the athlete to be like, well, man, I can't go. I can't do it now, you know? So I can definitely see how that could, 
that could come up. Yep, I, I, I think so as well. Like they, they do, they do ask those questions, and you know, like I mean, sometimes we do provide the answers, but also the more important thing is we provide the guidance towards the answers. They need to find the answers themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So if if they feel like oh you know it's it's whether they want to keep preparing for it and you know all I do is you know give that guidance and say hey this is what we're gonna do so then they still have to execute it see so so I feel in this instance that was what we did where I said let's just assume that the comms gonna go on and you just do what you need to do to prepare so she did her water cut she had her food right she you know finished off her training week right. And everything came together on the day itself. So that was good. Well, that's awesome. And con- congrats again to your athlete on those three new PRs. I mean, that's a great way to end any meet, knowing that you PR'd your snatch, you PR'd your clean jerk, you PR'd your total, of course. And who knows, yep. maybe maybe you did that on second attempt for the clean jerk and you get a, a PR clean out of a two yeah. on the third attempt. And it's like, that's a, that's a happy day right there. Did, did she pull she made a she, she had a training make for her snatches on the last one. So she caught a, like, it was it was a 70 kilo snatch. And for, for female athletes, you know, that's the red plates on. So it was the first time she actually held uh, the 25s over her head. And right. even though she got soft elbows and pressed out, she still managed to stand it up, see? So so it was, it was promising, you know, even though we didn't get the three white lights for that, but... You know, we were really happy with uh, making that lift. And, you know, at least we know, again, it gives us hope that in the next comp, she's going to get it right. Well, now, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you said that and, and you gave that description. So for, for me, if, if, if that happened at a comp and yep. that was a training make, you know, like we didn't get it, it's not official, but it's the yep. most they've ever snatched in their life. Yep. Are you counting it as a PR? Like it like... Like when you put it in the books, you're going to base training off it, or you're going to say what your PR is. Are you, yep. is that, does that count or are we just erasing that number and it didn't happen, but you made the lift? Like, I want to know what, what your opinion is on this. I think it depends on social media as well. So we posted <laughs> yeah. it up and um, basically everyone, everyone commented and said, oh, that counts. You know, that counts. Um, I would actually count it because technically, you know, in order for you to press a weight out, it requires more strength, right? Um, but, you know, you still got the weight overhead. It's not like, you know, she had to fight for it a lot apart from pressing her elbows out. So, so I would, I would, I would in this instance count it and go, yeah, uh, I think, I think it's a good lift. You know, we'll use that as your one RM now and base your lifts off that. See, but also at the same time, like for a lot of my guys, I've, I've tried. Uh, almost like a predictive 1RM. So like a number, not too far off what their 1RM is, but, you know, maybe like for her, it's 70 kilos. And then I might now go, okay, let's base it off 75 now and train according to that, you know? And then from there, it allows us to, it allows us to actually be used to a slightly heavier training load because she might be now training with 70 as a 1RM. And then if I still use 70, it's almost the same number as C. So, so that's how I approach it. And I'll say, yeah, you know, we'll count that, but then we, we'll push it up a little and, you know, overreach a little. No, I, I think that's, that's a, a fantastic approach. That's the approach that, that I used, you know, and I, I agree with everything you just said. So no, no debate. You know? Yep. Uh, yep. I, I, I think it's, it's like, all right, if you snatched 300 pounds and you've yep. never done that before in your life and you stand up with it, 
and your elbow flickered a little bit and then yep. you drop it and then your coach is like ah oh, that, that that doesn't count sorry like, like what <laughs> well i just snatched 300 pounds for the first time and held it above my head yep. and it wasn't the most technically perfect thing but that should count as your your one rep max and i i love using theoretical maxes for people because you can yep. also tell for some people you're clearly stronger than what you're displaying it's yep. just there's there's technical things going on but we can yep. bring up those technical things and also side by side bring up strength you know when we're doing pulls and presses and other things that we're basing off your one rep max but use a heavier percentage because we're going to use that theoretical number we're going to use the number that might be your goal and then, and then yep. that's how we'll build up to it yep i i agree with that i think it's i think it's like Sometimes with percentages, it's it's a good thing, but it also gets people thinking in a way where, oh, this is only 80%, so it's almost too light, right? Mm -hmm. I really want to go heavier. You know, like I, I get a lot of my guys to work around the 60, <clears throat> 60 to 65 to even like 80 to 85% range. And that's that's where they stay in, you know, like very seldom we'll go, go to 90% unless you're preparing for a comp or anything like that. So, so I think by having a an idea of a number rather than going like, oh, okay, this is the percentage you want. We kind of know roughly where that number lies in terms of the percentage. And that helps with getting them to go, oh, yep, I can hit this number comfortably. Doesn't matter what that percentage feels like, see. Yeah, and having it be closer probably to a true 80% or an 85%, especially yeah. with, with a beginner. You know, they've been lifting with you for a couple months and you know, they have some sort of baseline PR, but we know that's not their ultimate, you know, strength or, or ultimate, you know, personal record. So if you bump yep. it up a little bit, you might be closer to what 80% is versus yes. maybe they're working with like 68% and it feels yes. really light. And then it's, then it's not accomplishing what you want out of the training. And to them, they may, I find athletes will view things as not important if it doesn't feel a certain way or challenging yep. enough so now they have this yep. oh well 80 percent always feels super light and dumb and i don't like it but then when they <laughs> experience a true 80 percent later when they're capable of it then they get like kind of knocked back a little bit by the weight they're like whoa yep. what's going on this used to always be easy and it kind of then you're going down a whole psychological rabbit hole now yep yep i agree i agree i think that's one that we we always struggle with as well now with with your, your, your training and your, your programming, are you guys doing what, well, like, does it change when you have to go on the, the lockdown on the fly? Like you guys are in Melbourne, Australia, you've had yep. three lockdowns now, probably of yep. various length of times, including the yep. first one, which was, I'm going to assume the biggest one. How, how are you scrambling and adapting the program on the fly for those situations? Do people have stuff at home or they just take it yep. and How's that all well, work? Well, so the first lockdown happened, I think, in March, and we went to sometime in June. So that's about three months, right? The second lockdown happened sometime in, I think, July, like, or really close, like even June, all the way to October, November for gyms. So that was almost like a close, I would say close to five to six months. I, okay, I remember so you guys it was had like over a break. Days midsummer and then yeah like right like, back into it yeah like two weeks you know it was yeah. it wasn't even like it wasn't even anything like two weeks and we're back in again so 
for me, the first lockdown was I had a lot of guys that didn't have equipment and, you know, I was basically scrambling to get them the equipment. Like my logic was there's no point of me having these bars, staying in my gym and, you know, collecting dust or even rust and the plates also collecting dust. So I, I said, you know, if you need equipment here, tell me what you need. Uh, I'll, I'll sort it out. So we loaned out almost all our equipment except for my competition stuff. Um, and, and I think it benefited a lot of people. A lot of them were saying like, you know, you know, thank you so much for, for lending me the stuff because, you know, it's really helped keep my training going. Um, this, this was for the first lockdown. And after reopening for that two weeks, we got the equipment back so that we could start the gym up again. And with that, we we went back into lockdown again. So that period of two weeks where we reopened, I didn't get all the equipment back because I knew some of them were still uncomfortable coming back in. So I said, okay, stay at home with it, train there. You know, I'll still try to keep the Zoom sessions up and we'll train together and all that kind of stuff while people are in here. So that worked out quite well. We had that good transition of you know, having a screen where the guys here could actually see the people on Zoom. And then the Zoom guys could actually see what's happening in the gym. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so the social aspect of it was still there. Um, and then we went into lockdown. And this time around, I, again, was pretty full on on trying to get people training at home. And little did we know that we would be locked down for like 100 over days. So getting the equipment to them was actually the most, um, was the best part for them. Because yeah. if they did have the equipment, that's 100 days without training. You know, 100 yeah, over days huge. without training. Yeah, that's huge. So I think after that period of time, um, the Zoom started wearing off a little bit. So we didn't really have the regular, like like usually it's a Wednesday and a Saturday session where, you know, I'll, I'll set it up and, you know, people will come in and all that. But I did change my approach to a more appointment-based approach in the gym. So like, you know, people could book in any time in the gym and I'll be there to coach them. You know, if it, if no one else is in, then it's a one-on-one, -on -one. you know, if no one else is, if everyone else is in, then it's a, it's a training, like a group training session. Um, and I think that worked out well, but it, it just spread me out in terms of my time. And that's why the zoom didn't go on as much. Then yeah. coming into this last lockdown, we, we were able to go, oh, okay, straight away. We know what to do. All right, Zoom's on. You know, if you need to contact me on Zoom, I'm available. You know that kind of thing. So, so my my priority was to make sure that one they get the ability to train with the equipment. The second thing was they get the coaching they needed by either the group Zoom sessions that we have, or you know, like I I offered like thirty minute individual group uh, sessions or not not group sessions Zoom sessions. So they could actually book in and have like a one-on-one -on -one with me for 30 minutes. Um, and, you know, that, that, that kept them going. You know, some of them utilized that a lot and it helped them because it was very personalized. Um, in terms of the programming, we, I didn't really change much apart from understanding what they had at home. So like, you know, a lot of them didn't have blocks. So instead of doing block work, they would maybe go into hang movements you know then we had to take into consideration that they were training at home it wasn't a comfortable space for them to drop barbells or anything like that 
So, you know, there was that challenge of trying to hold the bar a bit more. So forearms would get really tight. So, you know, it's understanding- so good in competition at not putting it down early. Oh yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, so so we 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 had a few where they had issues with their grip and their forearms, and you know, basically it was just addressing things like that. You know, a lot of them work from home, so they had to sit down a lot. So I think in terms of the programming, it wasn't so much uh, of a of a drastic change in the weightlifting stuff. It was more of how we could keep them resilient to the pandemic. Yeah. The, the, the effects of the pandemic where you sat at home, where you, you know, you had to, you know, you had to save a lift because you can't drop it on the concrete floor or something like that, you know, or the towels or something like that. So, so, you know, we did a lot of like mobility related work for their forearms, their shoulders, their hips. Um, that was the big change for me where we implemented a lot more of that. Uh, on top of their training. See. That's pretty interesting what you said a little while back on your first priority was making sure that they had the equipment, the bars and the plates. And then yep. the second priority was was the coach. And it's just kind of interesting, you know, like when you think about the coach and athlete relationship, very important, but there's like a third party involved. Yeah. And that is the like, I guess the bar and the plates are the embodiment of the sport of weightlifting. Like you have an yep. athlete who's trying to do weightlifting. You have a coach who's trying to teach and guide and lead through weightlifting. But if you don't have a bar and you don't have a plate, none of that's going to happen. You'll just stare yeah, at each exactly. other and I guess do body weight squats and other and push-ups. you know, uh, what, what are some of your, your philosophies and thoughts on that dynamic? If we just narrow it back down to coach and athlete, what do you uh, expect from your athletes and what are your thoughts on your role in their ongoing process and success? Well, I think I think the big one for me, and this is something that I've I'm always working on and working with my athletes as well, and you know, the the ability to communicate well, you know, like I do I do for a long time have been coaching online or remotely, so a lot of my a lot of my feedback, a lot of my coaching comes from the words I use, right? So with that. I need to choose the right words to pass along the right message to, to get them to do what I want them to do. You know? So I think the way I communicate, the way I, I, I focus on things, the way I actually know how they communicate or think as well or process the information is really important because, because you know, I can say, hey, James, I need you to use your legs, right? And then you might process it in a different way to how I want you to process it. Right. So I have yeah. to be very specific with what I'm saying so that I can draw out the movement pattern that I want. See? So I think the big one for me, my philosophy is always focusing on the communication because if we are able to do that well, then the lifter opens up to you and is not afraid to talk to you about other things. You know, as much as I'm not a counselor, right, I need to take into context what's happening around them so that they can train better. Yeah. If they're having a bad day at work or they're having a bad time at work, right? That's definitely going to affect the way they move. So, yeah. so if, I, if I don't communicate with them enough, they're not going to tell me anything about it or they're not going to even want to tell me. You know, they'll come in and go, oh yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine. But in actual fact, they're not, you know. 
And then one, it can be dangerous because they're distracted. And then when they're lifting, you know, might throw them off. Um, and two, you know, they're not going to get anywhere without resolving what's inside first. You know, so, yeah. so that's my take on it. Like that's, that's a very big one for me. And that's how I, I've been coaching since, since a long, long time, you know, like as much as I'm very scientifically based in a sense, right? I, there's so much more to science apart from just biomechanics. You know, if you're talking about the human body, there's so many systems in the human body that biomechanics doesn't uh, account for. You know, your psychological, your psychology, you know, your, your, there's just all these come together because it's all within your body. You know, you can't take into consideration, like, you know, um, if you're having a tummy ache, right? And you can't, you can't brace your core, then you're not going to be able to lift well enough. So, so things like that, like taking those into consideration, I think I've been coaching that way for quite a while and it's helped a lot. And it's helped a lot of people to also be self-aware about it. Yeah, how their body's you know? feeling. And, and you don't want to be in a situation where training and going to your gym or any gym feels like work, you know, yes. I mean, at, at your yes. job, your boss probably isn't going to ask you. I mean, I'm sure there's many that do. How are you doing? Yep. Are you feeling okay today? Yep. You know, are we having a good day? But at yep. the gym, just simply by asking those questions, it's immediately a different environment and your environment affects how you react to things. Exactly. It could be something simple like, you know, maybe someone's going through a breakup, maybe they've had a family issue and yep. they're sad. That affects your, I mean, your posture, you know, think about when yep. someone's sad, the posture they, they take, you slump shoulders, you know, maybe they've been sitting like that all day because they've just been oh, distraught, yeah. you know, yeah. you don't know, you don't know until you ask. Exactly. Exactly. And, and that's the thing, like I make it a habit every time we walk in or someone walks in, you know, the first thing I ask is how are you going? How's your body feeling? You know, how's your day? So that, I get a, it's all, it's, it's not just a formality thing. It's actually me doing an assessment of how you are going, you know, how, how, how you, what's your state of mind when you step into the gym through the doors so that I know how to approach you. I also know how to work with you, right? Because I'm, I'm trying to match your vibe. I'm not, I'm not going to try to put my vibe on you, you know? Like as much as I can be positive and all that kind of stuff, there's no point for me to be over positive to someone that is, you know, not feeling great. Yeah, then you might right. just be annoying. They're like, all right, yeah, Lester's exactly. really Ex upbeat today. And I just I just really would rather just be quiet. I'd rather maybe or, or, he ask me less questions and just yeah. let me do my lifting here in the corner. You know, that, exactly. that's gonna happen. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's that's like that's like that's that's the art side of coaching you know that's that's where we learn how to you know understand the subjective side a little bit more and all that kind of stuff so so i think yeah that itself and, and communication embodies that a lot and i feel like you know to this day i'm still trying to get better at it and it's something that we always have to try to get better because not everyone that walks in will be the same so yeah. how we talk to them will be always different you know it's kind of, it's kind of funny um, I have a, uh, in, in the CrossFit classes, I have a 12 year old kid, uh, although he doesn't look like a 12 year old kid. Like he's way taller and bigger than I am. He's, oh, he's gotta be like closing in on like six feet. Like he's like oh, wow. a giant kid. <laughs> so everyone in the room, when I tell them, I'm like that he's, that's a 12 year old over there. Don't, 
swear all the time. And they're like, that dude is 12 years old and whatnot. So he's a, a big kid. I mean, I'm only 5'5". Five five, so like, that's not very difficult to be taller than me, but he's still huge. But like, I'll go over and like, he, so he has like the mannerisms and he's quiet of like, you know, yep. like uh, that time of life, you know, for uh, someone coming up on their teens. Yep. So like when I go over to him, I'm not like super crazy about things. You know, I just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm like, well, all right, well, how would, you know, you know, his, uh, his coaches and his other sports or his teachers approach him and talk to him, you know, and, and what's his energy look like for the day. And he might slump his shoulders or shrug his shoulders. So I'll shrug mine back. It's almost like I'll mimic his body language a little bit. Yep. I, I'm, yep. And, and it's like, Hey, look, we're both, we're both, you know, doing this today. <laughs> like, like yep. you're, you're, you're feeling tired today. I'm not tired today, but like, I'll, I'll shrug my shoulders too. I don't know what to say to you right now, but it's like, just trying to make him feel comfortable and, and like that he's not alone in the room, you know, cause he's in there yes. with all these adults and there's no other kids in there and they all think he's like a 30 year old man. So it's like, it's, <laughs> it's just like, just kind of matching the vibe that he's giving out. Yes, exactly that. And, uh, and, and that's exactly it. Like, you know, I have different people that, you know, um, I have doers, you know, like you probably have that as well, where they just listen to you and, oh, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Right, and then to go all out with the efforts for it, yep. and then I also have people that, you know, um, will ask me questions all the time. You know, so I'm I I'll, I'm more than happy to provide information, talk to them about it, create a discussion, and then I have people where they just prefer to be like, okay, just tell me a little bit. I don't need to know a lot. You know, tell me what to do, just a little bit. You know, and and as a coach, you're trying to manage all of that all at one time in the singular space you yeah know? so 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 i think that's 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 why you know like our communication skills need to be on point and and be able to be adjusted on the fly along the way yeah it's like like with that kid you know i figured out all right i'm i'm gonna 99.9 percent .9 of the time tell him exactly what he's doing there's not really a conversation on because he's 12 yep. you know i'm not gonna be like yep well, what do you want to do today? It's more like, all right, this is what I need you to do today. Yep. So I'll do that from an authoritative standpoint. And then yep. if he like shrugs his shoulders, like, oh, well, why? And I'm like, and I'll shrug my shoulders back and be like, oh, well, I'm, I'm the boss, you know, or, or something like that, you know, like a little joke <laughs> yep, in there. Yep. And he'll shake yep, his yep. Head, head at me, but like, like I'll just match the the energy he yep. gives me back instead of being like, because you need to listen to me, you know, like or something like that. Yeah. It's just, you know, I'll just oh, like, even like I would do it the way like maybe one of his friends might say it to him, you know. Yep. Yep. Or even like explaining stuff to him. He might not want to hear it like, oh, why are you doing this? You know, like not a lot of people at that time want to know why. Exactly. He yeah. has no interest in like yeah. why I want him to keep his chest up. He just knows that I'm always on him about keeping good posture and he'll make yep. me happy if he does it. That's it, you know. <laughs> That's good enough. Or, or, you know, I'll just tell him, hey, man, you know, like, like, you'll get a better workout today if you do it, you know, like, you'll, we'll yep. get stronger today if, if you do this, like, or this is the one thing I need you to do. Like, if you do this, we're, we're calling everything else. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now what, it's like, you're, you're constantly practicing it. And maybe that is the, the answer. But like, if you have like a, if there's a novice coach, someone who's like, just getting into it, working with yep. athletes the whole time. How, how do they, how do they evaluate their, you know, their communication skills, which communication starts to fall under the, you know, like you said before, the art of coaching, having that tact, you know, just that, 
that presence and attitude and ability to assess a room and assess a person uh, yep. and then react to it on the fly and come up with solutions to problems. How does someone or how do you recommend someone assesses themselves that if they, they are doing a good job or discover if they they aren't? Uh, well, I'll, I'll probably start by uh, plugging plugging a book by one of the one of the one of these U.S. coaches. He's I don't know. You probably you might have read his book. Uh, it's Conscious Coaching. I don't know if you've seen the book that, before. That he runs a podcast. Familiar. I can't remember who. who uh, I think his name is Brett Bartholomew or something like that. It's it's a yellow book, yellowish cover book. And he runs a podcast called The Art of Coaching, which is, um, which is really, really, really good. Uh, you know, I've I've been into his book umpteen times, and you know, I feel like that's that's the book that I I always go to and try to, you know, really understand how to talk to someone, you know, evaluate someone, and go, okay, you fall under this category. This is how I should communicate with you. This is the strategies I should use. Um, and, and it's definitely a book that I feel a lot of novice coaches who have the issue or have a challenge in trying to communicate with different people, right? It, the, the, I think what we are not taught enough as coaches is like we have all the technical knowledge. We have all the, 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 the information that we want to pass along. But how we pass that along is really important. And if we don't pass it along right, there's no point having all of that. You know, if we don't if we don't share if we don't share what we know, there's no point having what we have. Right? Or if people just don't so, want to listen to you, then it's like it's all worthless knowledge. It's just worthless facts if they don't want to listen to you. And then they're like, well, you know, I'm just going to find another gym or another coach to begin with. Exactly that. And you know, I don't blame people for that because sometimes the same message has to be spoken in a different way by a different person to to get them to understand it, see. So, you know, like I've never, I've never been one to go, oh, you know, so-and-so left the gym and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I mean, it's good because you they need to explore and they need to understand that they are able to hear that same message from a different person. Uh, I might not have passed it along well. And then that falls back on me on being better as a communicator, see. So, so I think for a novice coach, you know, it, it depends on where they come from. If they've come from a, a setting where, for example, a strength and conditioning facility where they work pre predominantly with athletes, right? You do get different kinds of athletes and different kinds of um, uh, individuals which will challenge your communication as well. But for me, it's also more in a sense of, um, you know, athletes are very specific, right? their goals are very specific. They want performance, you know, they want to be injury-free, things like that, right? Whereas if you're talking about the general population, okay, that makes up almost 95% of your, your, your club. Yeah, exactly. All right. So, so the, the dynamics of talking to the general population will be very different from how you talk to uh, athlete you know like for example you said your 12, your 12 year old kid right that you talk to you know you 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 can use a slightly authoritative stance with him 
because yeah. you know he's 12 he sees you as a, a role model and then you know he listens to you like a, a, as a coach and all that um but you know try doing that like for me i'm i, I work with a lot of masters athletes right i'm actually younger than all of them <laughs> right and and you know i i do give them the credit and the respect that you know they have more life experience than i do so they do know more about their bodies they do know more about you know what's happening in the world and all that kind of stuff and and you know like the only world that i'm really comfortable in is weightlifting right yeah. uh, but you know they have more of that experience in life and all that kind of things so when talking to them it's almost like if we're talking about something more related to the real world you know i'll be like the listener and really absorbing stuff whereas when we talk about weightlifting that's where you know i step in and be a bit more authoritative and say hey this is what i know and all that kind of thing so so i think this is why understanding how to change your tone how to you know use different body language how to actually approach people it's really important for a novice coach to understand or learn when they're new because they're so used to a certain demographic that when the demographic gets expanded they don't know what to do see because it's always so specific so narrowed down yeah so so if if anything my advice to a lot of novice coaches and even to my my other coach sarah who uh, coaches with me you know the first thing i taught her was how to actually pass a message across to someone right how to how to actually get them to understand that message you know like i would teach her okay this is what we're teaching them but these are the various ways we can actually communicate it across yeah. rather than going like, okay, just tell them how to do this at this point like that. Do you, you, know, do you have an example off the top of your head? So, so like, okay. So like maybe let's talk about the power position, right? You know, some people I can be very specific and go, okay, I want your dorsal to be like this. I want your knees, your, these, these are your angles, right? Some people absorb that really well. Athletes absorb that really well. Right. But then when you talk to when you talk to someone who maybe is a master's athlete, you know, who craves or enjoys knowing stuff or learning stuff, right? Instead of me saying, Okay, this is your power position and this is what I want you to adopt into, you know, I'll get a response like, Oh, but my ankle doesn't allow me to do that. Oh, but my hip doesn't allow me to do that. Right. So then then that it becomes like, oh, okay, let's let's explore. Let's Let's see what's going on. Let's talk about this. You know, why why can't you do that? Was it because you had an injury with your ankle, you know, or something like that? So then maybe we have to find an option, a, a different option for that. You know, so so I think for me, knowing building up that rapport with that individual allows me to understand how they how they how they're gonna respond to me. And then I can choose the correct things to say to them. So that they can execute what I want, you know, I don't want to be spitting out a, a general cue going, okay, this is your power position, drop your knees down, push your knees out, you know, that kind of thing, and then they go like, okay, and then in their mind they're like, oh, but I can't, I can't actually get the position to push my knees out because maybe my hips are are so tight because I've been working in an office for like twenty years or something, right? Now they're thinking about so, that versus not yeah. doing the lift. Yeah, exactly. You know, and 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 then that's that's gonna take away your ability to build a trust 
their trust in you because they don't understand what you're saying. You know, they they'll go probably like, oh. over time, you know, just think, okay, well, Lester doesn't explain anything, you know, and then yeah, the next thing exactly. you know, they go to another coach or another coach walks by and says something and they're like, oh, no one's ever told me that before. And meanwhile, you're, you're like in the back eating a sandwich and you're like, what? Like, I tell you that all the time. What are you talking about? You know? And, but meanwhile, you know, it was just, it was just a difference of a word, a difference of a couple sentences. Exactly. And, and, and you don't even need another coach to do that. You, you know, in this day and age, there's so much on the internet that goes like, oh, okay. Hey, you're struggling with your first pull. This is what you should do. You know? And, you know, when you build a rapport with your athletes like that, they actually bring this up and they come and ask you questions and that makes it interesting because then you explain to them, like for me, I like explaining to them, that is, that is, that is, that's a good video or that's a good article, but let's, let's look deeper into that, you know, because it's very surface level, right? Or do these yeah. three things to improve your squat, right? But then the athlete tries it and goes, yeah, I've done these three things, but my squat's still crap. Yeah, right. didn't improve it. Yeah, I didn't improve it. Then, you know, they, 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 or they did one and they felt a difference straight away, right? But then I always question them and go, do you think that's a sustainable difference? You know, it could be something that makes you feel good at a time, but it's not going to resolve the issue of your squat. You know, it might not resolve the deep issue of your squat. Yeah, yeah you stretched out your hips, your hips feel great. So your squat feels smoother, but you didn't do anything for your ankles and your issue is with your ankles. And now you're, you're, and then maybe your hip is jammed up or having issues because of your ankles. So it's like, well, you have to check all these different spots. Exactly. And, and, you know, like everyone, everyone has a different history. So you can't, you can't just assume that, okay, let's not take all of that into consideration and let's just move forward with what, what this guy said, you know, you have to take whatever the history has been and build it up from there, you know, and, and working with a lot of, um, older athletes you know they come with a lot of history so you know like what they've done in their earlier days as a teenager you know even to mid 20s 30s all right and then 40s you know so every decade has a different response on your body you know and and knowing knowing those differences you know it's really important because then you can go okay your, your foot's hurting. Maybe because when you were younger, you were crazy about running and you developed plantar fasciitis, you know, and you, you stop feeling it because you stopped running. But then now that you're coming back and, you know, you're doing a lot more of that lifting stuff where, you know, you're putting a lot of more loading or absorption through your feet, then you start feeling it probably again, you know, or maybe you just went on a holiday and went for a big walk or hike and your calves tighten up and that's why your, your plantar fasciitis came back, you know? So, so things like that, you know, I think as much as the internet's good and as much as I'm putting content out on the internet, I think that there's a lot that people need context for to understand, you know, or at, at least make it conceptual rather than saying, oh, okay, specifically do this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you need to, you know, ask questions like you know like yes. if you have a master's athlete any athlete be like so what sports have you played have you had injuries in the past you know you don't want to find that stuff out a couple months into training and then you know when a problem arises you gotta talk to your athlete and then you have to think mm -hmm. to yourself well did i tell you to do that you know like if, <laughs> if they don't know they don't know we have a, an intern coach right now at the gym 
And as I've been working with her, it's like when I'm telling her or explaining to her, you know, the like how we coach things in a class or a certain movement, it's you have to remember if, if you didn't tell them, then you can't be surprised they either did it wrong or the way you didn't want to or didn't do it at all. And yep. if you're teaching a movement, let's say like the squat and you teach them, you know, how to squat down and come up. But if you didn't tell them about keeping their heels down, well, that's okay right now in the teaching process because we're focusing on just maybe squatting down and standing up or pushing out the knees in general or something like that. But yep. if you start adding in cues that you didn't tell them about, then now they're going to be confused. Well, wait a minute. I thought we were talking about pushing my knees out and now you're saying keep my heels down. And now they're thinking yep. about that and they're not accomplishing any of these goals. So you just have to think, how are you layering in things into the conversation? I might say, hey, Lester, okay, here's what the air squat looks like. Let's put your feet in this position. And then when I say down, you squat, up, you stand. And I'm just seeing if you can do it, you know, like, like yeah. you do it every day on the couch, on the toilet, on the, <laughs> the chair. And then after that, we'll start to layer things in to refine it. So I might say, oh, yeah. hey, let's focus on pushing the knees out. Here's why we're doing that. Here's how it's going to help you get better form. And then while you start doing that, if you start coming up on your toes and I'm like getting on you, hey, you got to keep those feet flat. You're like, well, we didn't yep. talk about that yet. Uh, I'm throwing in things out of out of sequence. Yep. Yep. I, I agree with that. And I think that's so important, especially for like knowing, you know, I mean, I, I still remember when I first started coaching, I was really enthusiastic. I mean, I'm not, not that I'm not enthusiastic now, but I was like really enthusiastic with seeing how all these like cues that you learn play out, right? Yeah. So you'll be throwing them all the time at, at them. Oh yeah, you know, use, uh, push your knees out or turn your elbows, you know, that kind of thing. And, and you, you start to see that some of them don't respond to it. <laughs> Yeah, you know, like then that's where you learn. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's where you learn. See, yeah, you go, why is it that you can't, why is it that you can't get it, you know? So, so as you get deeper into your coaching, then you start to understand, maybe it's the way that you've brought that across that they can't understand it or physically they can't perform it, right? Uh, and you can't blame them for that because you haven't created that awareness in them to understand that. But you're totally right. It's like, if we focus too much on those aspects, right, um, then you're going to have an issue with understanding the overall movement of it. Yeah. You know, and, and at the end of the day, we are, we are coaching movements. We're not coaching like, oh, I just need you to feel your rear delt here or I need you to feel your lat here. I need you to feel this part of your court. You know, it's like, I want you to use your legs and I want you to stand up with it, right? So whatever you use to do that, you do that, you know, and, and if I feel like for everybody based on, on, like you said before, their history and what positions they're able to get into. Exactly. Exactly. And, and I think that's, that's, that's something that takes time to develop as a coach, you know, as a newbie or novice coach, it's, you don't see all of that yet enough, you know, and, and that's why when I, when I actually uh, developed my other coach here, she spent almost a whole year with me, like shadowing me every week just to see how I look at things or how I bring that image up with the individual and then coach them over it. Um, and she started to pick that up a little bit. She started to understand how, how to look at things and rather than just going straight to it and say, okay, let's try to solve this problem first. You know, yeah. like the, the mistake is a lot of people see, like you said, 
oh, your heels come up, so let's try to keep your heels down. Oh, your knees went in, so let's try to keep your knees out. Oh, wait, you tip forward and your chest drop. Let's try to keep your chest up, right? But then, in actual fact, maybe the guy just didn't know how to brace. And if you brace well, you could have squatted better. Yeah. And, and yeah. maybe maybe he just did the first one wrong and yeah. need to let him do another one. You know, like, like yeah, that's yeah, something yeah. we went over um, re- recently this past week. It's like, give him a rep or two. You know, it's like, give me a moment, man, like to figure this out. I just put the barbell <laughs> up over my head. Like the bell, yeah. I, I might need to get a rep or two under my belt just to kind of figure out the placement and everything. And then once, you know, once there are a couple reps in, then you can be like, okay, here's what's really starting to pop out at me as yep. something we can do a little bit better. And then you have to balance that out with, if every time I come over to you, Lester, I have bad news. Hey, Lester, <laughs> you're not very good at this. Just every, you know, I'm not saying it that way, but every single time I come over, I'm like, Lester, your heels, your knees, your chest, yeah, your yeah. arms, your elbows, just, uh, just everything. You got to come over and be like, Hey, you're doing a good job today. You know, like you have to layer in that, that positive yep. feedback too. Yep. Like for me, for me, I call it that first pancake theory. So you always allow them to have that first pancake, which doesn't look too good. You know, you burnt it a little bit because yeah. you don't know how hot the pan is and all that kind of stuff. And then, and then after that, the next few, you can go like, oh, okay, if he's still burning it, then it's something that we need to talk about. See? Oh, I like that. The first pancake theory. <laughs> You're going to have to put, put that in a conscious coaching 2.0. You're going to send that out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, which, by I, the I, way, I, I looked him up. It's uh, Brett Bartholomew. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's him. That's him. And uh, he, he, he's, he's running a podcast as well. And, you know, like he does put up a little bit of, quite a bit of stuff on Instagram. And, you know, I've been following him for almost five over years. And it's just, it's, it's just incredible to be able to understand how to actually talk to different people, you know, or approach different people in a different way than to say, okay, this is how I coach and you just have to accept it, right? You know, as coaches, we just have to be flexible and dynamic. You know, whoever we meet, we coach that way. Whoever we meet this way, we coach that way. You know, rather than saying, okay, this is my way and this is how I do it, you know. Um, you, you, you can have a certain style, but at the end of the day, you need to adapt your style according to the individual as well. Yeah. And I think the, the better you get eventually, you know, when your athletes learn enough, they might be able to look across the room and see another athlete who's doing things slightly differently, but they'll see yep. that same thread of Lester coming through, you know, like, like yes. you're able to adapt the way that you're, you do your method or your style, but it's still clearly Lester or it's still clearly James, you know, but, but it's yep. just, it's just molded to that own per that person's needs. Uh, yep. Something that we're doing right now in our Barba Club is just a little bit of an experiment. We're coming off of a very difficult um, uh, uh, training cycle where we segmented yep. the lifts. So we uh-huh. might start off the session with doing some sort of pull variation. Then we would do a hang lift into overhead accessory into a full lift variation. And on, on one day, it's just a snatch. Then on another yep. day, it's just a clean jerk. And then on the third day, we're doing both full lifts back to back. It was um, something that um, I learned about first because they used to do it back at Muscle Driver. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's um, Kane Wilkes' dad used to do this. Oh. So I was like, you know what? Let me put my own spin on it. Let's try this out. <laughs> See how it goes. And, but that was, it was brutal. It was a lot of volume. It was a lot of work. 
it was a lot of accessory exercises. And then I decided, well, what are we going to do for this next training cycle? How are we going to evolve this? And what I ended up doing was making options within the program. So we yep. now it's uh it's like the old goosebumps, Arl Stein books, choose your own adventure. So I wanted yeah, yeah, to yeah. have the programming be a little more choose your adventure where we might have the main lift, which is a, a hang snatch. Maybe that's what yep. we're going to do on one day. And that's the thing that I want everyone to do. Like I want that, that would have been just the program. If none of this other stuff was going on, we were going to work on hang snatches. So that's, you could choose to do just that, or you could build a complex with hang snatches. And maybe the option might be a hang snatch. And you have three options of overhead accessory movements for the snatch to pair yep. with it in a complex, or you have a hang snatch and three pull accessory options. And then I go to you, Lester, what do you, what do you think you need to work on the most? And I have my own opinions and ideas, but if you're like, all right, I, I really think I need to work on my overhead, you know, like for my, my bottom position, or I, I, maybe I need to work on my pull then all right, cool. Then guess what? We should work on that today. Cause that's what you think we should work on. Yep. You're already doing the thing yep. I want you to do. You're going to do hang yep. snatches. So now like, do you yep. want to do behind the neck, push presses, push jerks, snatch balances, something like that. But I've been finding giving that little bit of control and that little bit of extra input, we're learning a lot this training cycle. That's too. Cool. So now it's like, it's like, I'm not assuming that you think you need to work on your pull. You're showing me, you picked the pull complex and then you picked the type of pull that we both felt is going to help you the most, whether it be a high pull or just a pull with a little shrug at the top, or maybe even like a, a panda pull, like, like everyone's different in the room right now, but it's, is is working out pretty cool on just like giving the athletes that kind of ability to, to choose. Yep, that's 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 really interesting, and I think that's really uh, refreshing to hear because you know, like for a lot of weightlifting coaches, and I'm guilty of that myself. Sometimes it's like, oh, okay, I need you to kind of stick to this program, you know, because I know this is what you need, and this is what we're doing to get to that goal that you want, you know. So you have a like most coaches or myself have a certain plan of how we're gonna get there. See, Definitely, you know, but yeah. but but you're right. Like having that input from the athlete itself and having that discussion as well, saying, oh, maybe this is what we need to do, and um, you know, I feel like I need to do this. Definitely does have, like, definitely helps with that that two way process, like the coach athlete process, a lot more. You know, um, I I've. For me, it's just being able to draw that line or find that line of going like, okay, let's let's not let's not get too fancy with it, you know, because sometimes they just might go way too far with that. And I, I like your idea of giving them options like going, okay, we're gonna do if you think you need to do a snatch pull, let's see what 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 are your three options, you know, things like that. Yeah, it's it's like, yeah. you know, here are the set parameters. You're only yep. gonna do this many reps on any given exercise. And if we were just sticking to my plan with what I know we need to do to get to the next level, because we do have yep. a couple meets on the schedule that we're trying to get ready for, then, yep. you know, I had a, a vision for this day that the group needed to work on. But now I can yep. have my cake and you can have your cake and we can both eat it too, <laughs> because as long as you're still doing that lift and then you're doing those couple extra reps that are going to yep. taper off throughout the training program anyways, then it's, it's a win-win. And now you're going to put a different type of effort into that program. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to be more, there's be more buy-in. And I think that that's a yep. great way to kind of set things up before um, a meet 
where if and this is also we're first time we're trying this so time will tell but it's like yeah. uh like why not have this training cycle be almost something that they completely created on their own and now when we go into that meet now they're gonna be like not only do i feel prepared but i had that extra boost of confidence because like i i chose those things i i made yep. those decisions and i was instructed and i learned why those decisions i made were important and i think mm -hmm. that's good too because this is almost like we're we're learning to program a little bit in like the yes. most basic way as a group as as we do the training you know simultaneously because i mean maybe maybe i'm not there one day maybe they're on their own one day like <laughs> it's like all right well you should be able to look at yourself evaluate think about what you need and then put it together in a way that makes sense and is it going to be like all right i need to do 10 reps of this then i'll do 20 reps of that it's like well we can make this make sense so like at least you have a blueprint yep yep i i think that's that's really that's thank you for the timely reminder of that and you know as a coach from a fellow coach you know it's just it's just good to hear things like that to go like oh yeah you know it's 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 not just about what we want it's also about what the athletes want and you know um being able to meet in the middle is what makes the the relationship somewhat successful see definitely well 100 and then it's like hey if you're feeling good lester go go heavy on one yep. hang snatch three overhead squats challenge yourself today you might be coming and you're like i'm feeling really good james can i do this yes yes you can and then if you if you taper out early all right bump it down and hit a couple extra sets at a percentage of that and i might have yep, someone yep. else come in and they're like i didn't eat food all day i'm very tired i'm just stressed out yep. we'll keep it light and practice this and the yep. practice will be good and it will still be difficult in a sense that you're going to do four reps one snatch and three overhead squats so now we have so many options that we can do yep. instead of like okay we're yep. coming in and it's only this and there's no other leeway around and Will he be mad if I change it or anything like that, you know, or ask to change it or, or am I going to feel I've had many athletes do this and I'm sure you have, will my own perception as an athlete or self-worth as an athlete, or maybe even a person change because I wasn't able to complete the program today, the way it was written to the team. That's a, that's, that's a great point though, that I think, I think that's really, that's really true about, you know, a, a lot of my guys and you know especially like if you use a software like true coach where you know you get programming and then if you miss the session it sends you an email saying oh you've missed your workout and then they get all stressed out about it because you know they just didn't do the workout and there's a like a red mark or a tick or a cross or something like that like and, you got a demerit you know, yeah 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 exactly and they does go it, like oh i really don't like if you if you miss a, a workout it's like what are you lazy at home? What are you doing? Does <laughs> like, it do that? Because I would like that. That'd be funny. It'd be funny to me. I, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think like maybe once or twice that's fine, but I don't think it does it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like if you miss 10 workouts, oh, you know, you just, you just miss 10 workouts. What's going on? Are you all right? <laughs> yes. I, I see. I, I, again, it goes into what the athlete responds to. Like, I, I think yep. I would respond to it in a more positive way than others. Yeah. Yep, I had yep. some sort of an app where I didn't check in and it just like, it lets me have it kind of like, almost like a, the way a training partner would let you have it. Like, like, Hey yeah, man, yeah. like you weren't in training the other day. What are you eating? You know, donuts on your couch. What's going on? You know, <laughs> I, I feel like I would respond to that better, but I can definitely 100% see how a lot of people would not respond to that very well. Yeah. Yeah. And even just well, getting the they, email telling them, 
hey, you you didn't do this today would affect them. Yeah, and that's what it was. Like a lot of them were like so stressed out saying, oh, you know, I'm so sorry. I can't meet your workouts and all that kind of stuff. And I said, that's fine. You know, like don't stress about it. I mean, if you can do it, you do it. If you can't, don't, you know, have options, you know, and, and do all of that, you know, manage what you can. And again, it boils back to what I said earlier about contacts, you know, like maybe they just started a new job and, you know, they were trying to get used to the new job so they couldn't get all the sessions done. You know, and you're right, you know, sometimes they pull pull their identity and self-worth to saying, Oh, I I didn't do that workout. Am, am I am I gonna be crappy now or am I gonna not improve now? You know, that kind of thing. So so I think having that option of like like what you suggested, them being involved, having a bit of that control over what they do gives them accountability as well. Yeah. Yeah. And it gives them the accountability, it gives them the the knowledge that, you know when they wake up in the morning and everything hurts or they're just feeling a certain way, we can still do productive training. And yes. that when they come in, they're coming into an environment of like, well, what are you going to do today? You know, to get a little bit better versus this is absolutely what we have to do today. And there is no other, other way around it. I'm, I'm really starting to over time kind of shift to a style of programming that allows more of that more athlete input. We did during the winter, we yep. did a um a, um a build a build a program where everybody yep. posted one thing that they wanted to see in the program, and then I took that information and made it into a training program that made sense that we were yep. going to do. And we had things like we did stone lifts, we did yoke carries. The, there was a lot of strongman type stuff in there, but one nice. person was like, "Hey, I saw on the internet, or a friend of mine did like a four minute overhead squat hold." And it's like a mobility and stability challenge with the barbell. Yeah. So it's like, all right, yeah, we can do it. This is the one time of year we're going to do something like that. But it's like, like, yeah, we can, we can try. And then it became a competition. And there's people facing off, staring at each other with the bar over their head. <laughs> it might be just an empty bar or whatever. But like, it's like, let's see who could do it. And then when someone does do it, you celebrate that. So it's like, I'm, I'm not, not that I would purposely program that again, but it's just giving the athletes input without letting it get out of control because you could certainly have the inmates take over the asylum and then the next thing you know like it's too much but i think um what we've been experimenting with has been working because we, we that's do great. Group, that's great group programming but it's like i'm constantly in the quest to figure out how can i turn group programming and training into also individualized programming and training where we all yeah. have a common base but we build off it versus you're doing some something completely different and the person across from you is doing something completely different. You're on the squat yep. racks at a different time, you know, like, yep. and yep. then it doesn't feel like team training. Yep. I think that's, that's where I'm at because a lot of my guys, actually all my guys, we do individual programming. So, so as much as we are a club, you know, everyone's doing a different thing because of the technical side of it, you know, they're working on different aspects of their technique at, at different points of time um you know and then the thing that comes probably comes closest to group or team training is when they prepare for a comp so if there's a group of them preparing for a comp that's where we shift the uh, programming towards okay this is comp prep and you know so and so and so and so and so and so is preparing for the comp so you, this is how your programming will start to look like there's still a bit of element of that but then we still have um your day where you go heavy and go heavy together, you know, because then it pushes each other for the competition. 
Yeah. So, so I think I'm on the opposite end of that spectrum from you, where you you've you've created the group dynamics and you know like getting them involved and all that kind of stuff. Whereas mine's like okay, every individual has their own own way of programming or own way of like getting the program done, and then they build it up from there. Yeah. Well, we're on opposite ends of the spectrum. It's it does, that's that's a beautiful thing about weightlifting, is you could do it so different from someone else. But it's still yep. the same end goal that we're trying to meet back in the middle at. And in the middle is is three things. It's snatch, clean and jerk, and total. Clean and jerk. Yep. And, and it's like those are the three things we're trying to do. And then up here, like if we're on a continuum, there might be a line spiking right through the middle, which is someone yep. else who's doing something completely different. Yeah, exactly. That you and I exactly. haven't even thought of yet. But that's that's yeah. the beautiful part about it is just you can experiment with things. And if as long as you know the principles of what you're doing. And, you know, the, 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 the bare bones basics, you can really start to develop something. And then, of course, you need that relationship like we've talked about. If, if, if I didn't have any kind of buy-in from the people yep. coming to the club training, then it doesn't matter what the program is. It's not going to work. You know, it has to be something that people are, are going to look and buy into and want to put the effort into. It could be a horrible program, but if they're all doing it and they're all having fun, and it's a, and they're continually coming to training, then that's better than having like this beautiful planned out, you know, um, 52 week manifesto yep. with meso micro and macro cycles all building up to something, but no one wants to do it because it's not fun or they don't like you as a coach. Yep. You know, you know, who, who said something like that? And you just reminded me of it. Um, the late Glenn Penley, he said something like you can have a, you can have a, a, a well, excuse my language, but you can have a shit program. Yeah. But if everyone believes in it, it's a good program. You know, I remember him saying like when he came down to Australia to do his seminar, like long, long time ago, this was like, I mean, almost, almost just under seven years or something like that. And, you know, that was what he said. He came down with uh, him, Travis Cooper. And I think, I think Donnie was here as well. And basically, basically, he said that, you know, like you, you can have a crap program and if everyone believes in it, they're going to get results and it's going to be a good program. But if you have a good program, but no one believes in it, then it's not going to work out. You know, you're, you're going to have people who, who are going to fail. <laughs> so, so, you know, you're right. You know, if, if you, you get them to buy into it, it makes your job a lot easier. See, 100%. I mean, those are very, very true words. And, and I do know he said that, you know, 100%. Did you, you, so you went to those seminars when he came to Australia? Yeah, I went, I went, yeah, I went when he was in Australia. I think that was one of the first seminars that they had for weightlifting at that time. You know, there wasn't a lot of, like, the only one that we could get was our level one, which was for you to get your accreditation as a coach. Mm-hmm. But apart from that, you don't get like that kind of like seminars that I did or he did or even clock off did. So my first two seminars, the early days where I did seminars or attended seminars, the Penley seminar was one. And that was very, very early on. I think like 2013, 2014 kind of days. And then the other one was clock off. So so these these were the two seminars that we managed to get to. And then there was a third one, uh, Bob DeCarno, you know, and and these three were the ones that really influenced a lot of how I 
I shape my coaching and understand and develop my coaching from there as well. Yeah, those are three fantastic seminars to go to. I've been to Glenn's and I've been to Klokovs yep. as well. Haven't taken a Bob Takano seminar. Uh, at the, yep. the the Penlay seminar, what are what are some other things that you remember from from that that event? I'm sure Travis and Donnie did some lifting, so that was probably very cool to see them yep. lifting at a high level. Uh, oh, what, yeah. what were and your initial thoughts on just the way that he taught the lifts and and you know from the top well, down? Well, it was very. Process? Uh, I, I, I think it was a, it was an eye opener. So, you know, I first started a lot of my coaching reading Greg Everett's Catalyst Athletics uh, Guide to Weightlifting, right? And, you know, you learn a lot of the stuff from there. A lot of our level one came from, uh, came from instructionals where it was similar to top-down approach, you know, that kind of thing. And then being able to see that in person, and observing how Travis moved with that was was also a really good thing. Um, I, I felt like, you know, it, it, it allowed me to understand it a little bit better. I did carry on with it, teaching like that for quite a few years um, before I added my own spin on it, understanding the science part of it with my research being brought in. And then, you know, it's, it's just how you developed it, but it was a good foundational... Um, seminar for coaches you know because it broke broke it down really well you know like okay position one position two so on and so forth you know this is how you how you create an extension so on and uh and i i i i took away a lot from it i think it 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 was also more on the idea of the programming side that i was interested in so he had a like a small little segment on programming which, you know, I asked a lot of questions because at that time I just started out as a coach and, you know, I wanted to learn more about, you know, you, you watch all the muscle driver videos and you see how he and, you know, and all the other guys there coached and all that. And, you know, you were like, oh, I really want to get into his head and understand why he did some of that and, and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I think I had the opportunity to really understand now why he did certain things in, in training and then applied it across and you could see it in Travis as well. You know, so, so overall, I think that seminar like opened my eyes a little bit more to traditional coaching because when I was coached, my coach had a Soviet background, mm -hmm. right? Or he used like, you know, percentages and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and, and, you know, that was the only thing I was exposed to. So when I did the seminar, I was like, oh, okay, there's actually a different way to look at it. Right. And then from there, you develop ideas and you start to create your own philosophy. See? So, so I think that sparked me off on that journey of like learning a lot more about weightlifting. And then the, each seminar, I did learn a little bit more, so on and so forth. Um, even the way they evaluated technique, you know, like the way Klokov would teach technique is very different from what Glenn would have taught. Right. So, so, you know, why, why Kirkhoff would teach like that, you know, and that's what got me thinking a lot more, you know, why it would work for some and others it won't. Yeah. Do you remember any specific feedback you got uh, on your own lifting? Uh, I, from the Penley seminar, I think it was, because at that time it was more popular amongst uh, the CrossFit community. So he was targeting a lot more of the CrossFit community. And I mean, there were a few weightlifting people there, but I was probably one of the few 
more competitive weightlifters in there. So, you know, so my you stuck out was, a little bit. A little bit, a little bit, you know. And then if you go down with like Adi Stars, right? The 2008 Adi Stars, people yeah. notice it straight away and like, oh, look at your shoes, you know. Um, but, you know, like they, they were, they were, they were pretty pleased with how I lifted. <laughs> you know, they did, they did comment a little bit on like when I needed to get more extension or things like that. But overall, I think compared to a lot of the other people in the crowd, you know, there was little that they criticized about and, you know, that's what that was that was what I took away from it. That's why I was like, you know, on the technical side, I wasn't too stressed about it. It was more on how they program and all that that I wanted to get to learn a lot more about. Uh, do you do you remember then, any specifics like from the programming side of things? I know it was, it was years ago, but I'm like, do you remember any kind of things that were discussed at the seminar? Like, was he talking about imams at the time? Was he talking he, about kind I of think, dividing I think there was, the, there was a, the Texas method? Yeah, I think there was a few like that. I think there was a few like that. Like Emoms was a big one. Uh, I was asking him about like squatting, you know, how often people would be squatting because you see some of the guys at uh, Muscle Driver when they had that team there, they were squatting a lot, right? And then also like the way they approach their, their you know, rep maxes or even like daily maxes kind of stuff. You know, when, when they do that, and things like that, I, I felt like it was it was it was very different from what I was used to. So you know, mine was very specific. Okay, eighty percent weak, 85 percent weak, ninety percent weak, right? But then for them, we were like, oh, okay, these guys are hitting like ninety over percent every every other day, <laughs> right? And then it's something new to you, you see, it's something new like. Can you even do that? Are you able to do that? You know, and then you understand the context of it, where because these guys were 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 trying to be almost full-time athletes, you know, and they had the support, the capacity to do that from the muscle driver team. So then it, it was, it was, it was eye-opening because it was just something that nobody here in Australia was developing at that time. You know, the only guys that would have support and very minimal were the top athletes and, you know, you don't get to see them a lot, you know, so being able to see this happening and how he developed a privately funded team in a sense was was actually something that drove me to really push to coach to do my my coaching a lot better and then yeah. did you like so they're squatting 90 plus percent every other day or pretty frequently uh did you eventually try that and then like how did you respond to it like well you, well i think i think trouble they walking did. for a while or anything <laughs> Well, the I didn't really implement that a lot. I did implement a lot of the ideas of like complexes. You know, they did a lot of complex complexes. You know, like in, in my time, it wasn't when I was exposed to weightlifting the very first time. It was very specific exercises. So like, oh, hey, we'll snatch. We'll do uh, power snatches. We'll do, uh, you know, very seldom I got block snatches, but it's very basic stuff like, Oh, snatch, power snatch, and then push press or something like that. Power clean, clean, you know. So it, it there wasn't a lot of the variations. And then that's where I got the idea of trying to implement a lot of those variations like hang snatches into uh, an overhead squat or pull into a hang snatch, you know, things like that. So I implement that, implemented that a lot to coach the technical side of it. 
So like understanding how complexes can actually improve your technique. So I tried that out a lot, you know, with, with what I learned from the seminar. The squatting side, you know, like I've played around after that with different, like he did say that, you know, you can squat heavy and you should squat heavy because you want to be able to develop that, that force output and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I, I tried it out on myself. Uh, I didn't go that heavy, you know, but I did push it a little bit. And then after that, it got me exploring things like, you know, the Smurloff, uh, junior Smurloff method or something like that, where, you know, you still, you still squat a decent amount and you squat 80% or something consistently, um, you know, and, and I think it just opened up the, uh, the pathway to finding other methods of, uh, other methods of like getting strong. The, the door yeah. has been open and yeah, exactly. before you only really knew just the one way. Now is, yeah. uh, who, who was your, your, your coach? And I don't, I don't think uh, I've ever heard you kind of talk about your, your coach and their influence and the things that you learned. Oh, from them. my, so I talk about him in other, other areas all the time. And, you know, I reference him sometimes and his name is uh, Robert Cabas. So he is an Olympic medalist for Australia in, I think, the 1980s, early 80s, um, multiple times Commonwealth Games medalist and all that. And, you know, he can correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, <laughs> um, really decorated lifter here in uh, Australia. You know, he's retired since, uh, retired from coaching since. But, you know, I got introduced to him because I was actually doing my research on weightlifting, you know, and then my supervisor, who was a weightlifter, brought me to his club, Phoenix Weightlifting. And, and then, you know, my coach was, uh, he went like, oh, you know, you, let me see what you, what you know. And then at that time I learned everything from CrossFit, see, so, <laughs> so, I love that. so yeah, but then I was also very, uh, I, I, I was very inquisitive. So I learned a lot of, like, I tried to read up and learn more about the lifts and, you know, then when I, when I snatched, he was like, oh, you move actually quite well. So, you know, from there, we picked up that relationship of, oh, okay, let's let's see what you can do in weightlifting. And I, 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 I stopped doing CrossFit from then and just went into weightlifting from there. And, you know, he, he comes from, he's, he's an Egyptian. So he, initially he was from Egypt and then uh, moved over with his family and all that kind of stuff. He was coached by his dad and his uncle, I think. Um, the history of it, it's still a little bit I'm unsure, but you know, he he does have really good influences from like I think from the Egyptian side, they use a lot of like the Russian Soviet method of programming and even technique. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? Um and I learned a lot of that from him. He would pass me his old like, you know, I think those are the texts that you would get from the old Russian uh, Soviet research. The Bud stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and he passed me a whole stack of it. He said, like, you know, have this and, you know, read about it. He passed me an old IWF menu as well because I was using it for reference in my research and all. Um, and, and you know, he was he was willing to share, you know, like even with his credentials and all that, he wasn't a, he wasn't a coach that went like, oh, okay, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave the last thing for you to learn and all that kind of stuff, you know, but he, he was willing to, to answer my questions. You know, um, I, I, I was asking him things like, oh, why would so-and-so do this? And, you know, why would so-and-so not do this? You know, or why wouldn't I do this? So a lot of it, 
allowed me to tap into his experience as a lifter as well because you know he's been to so many world championships and he's seen so many lifts throughout his career that you know he could actually tell you at which competition he saw this lift from who and which which weight category and all that so i think a lot of my influence in understanding technique also came from him because he wasn't one that went okay james when you come in we're just going to strip you down to the barbell and go from there all right he said let's see how you live and then he just let me be on my way and he, whatever he felt like i needed to get better at he slowly added in in into the program so like oh okay you're not strong off the floor okay so let's do some pulls okay you're not you're not using your legs enough so let's let's do some maybe hang snatches you know or hip snatches you know things like that so so it that's it a great approach influence, you know like yeah let, it, let you be a lifter and observe first you know see what you can do exactly and and that that got me into that idea of the whole idea concept of individualizing your technique right because he wasn't looking at you as okay you're not built for lifting he was looking at you as you can lift but how can you lift better with what you have right so so then that got me to think everyone can lift right i was 25 26 when i first picked up lifting so so i wasn't like a 8 year old boy that was from china or something that you know could could easily perfect technique you know like i already had a background in in sport and all that kind of stuff but i wasn't exposed to lifting to a later age but he still felt like oh you can still lift and you can still get your technique right so yeah. so that trans that translated across to how i coach as well where you know regardless of what your age is or regardless of where you started from if you understand how your body can move you can still move well you can still you can still lift weight you know and 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 i think a lot of that influence came from him that like he he didn't he didn't like say oh you know you're not you're not built for lifting or anything like that or you know he he just he just kept encouraging us to to live our way and is that the basis of your your philosophy which i believe is uh, correct me if i'm wrong uh, weightlifting for all yes yes exactly that you know and and that's that that really was the foundation of it because you know i we we had a we we call it a band of brothers like in the past where you know we would go in four of us would train there was a italian there was me who was a singaporean or asian and then there was a indian guy you know um and the last guy was a local uh asian born uh, australian born chinese so there were four of us that would train together and you know we became really close friends and you know just just the idea of that that all of us were different age ages age groups uh different demographics different backgrounds were able to train together and like you said had the element of our coach in their lifting like how he wanted us to live right there there was exactly what it was like we could see that oh okay these guys are coached by so and so by rock you know and and you could see how we lifted and some of them went up to that national level international level even uh you know but he never never said like oh okay lester you you're too old for this and you shouldn't be doing it yeah, yeah. that'd be discouraging yeah but he was always going like oh yeah you know 
he was actually pushing me to compete more, you know, um, and and it was it was it was refreshing because, like, for you to pick up something so late and still be encouraged to push yourself in the competitive side, right? I think. I think that was that was that was eye opening. That yeah. was something new for me. Yeah. Well, and I mean that's the beauty of the of of the sport. What what are the rest of the band of brothers doing right now? Are they all still lifting? So one, well, so one of them, one of them is uh, still lifting at the club, and he's gone on to be like the senior, the senior lifter at the club. So he's you know taken over the mantle of being the oldest guy there. Oh. Uh, he's actually one of the youngest guys there. And then, I never thought that uh, that could happen before where you look around and all of a sudden you're like, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's still, he's still pretty competitive, you know, like he's, the thing was, I was probably one of the first few that was involved in the field of exercise science that got into the gym. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I started to like help people out with like, oh, okay, your shoulder's sore. So let's do some mobility drills here and all that kind of stuff, you know, and that, that almost like influenced a few of the guys to, to take that path of wanting to be either personal trainers or physios or chiros, you know, so that guy that I was just talking about one of the band of brothers, he's gone on to be a physio. So he's used his skill to help the other guys in the club as well. Right, Perfect. which was what, which was what I tried to do when I was there, right, and then um, another one, you know, uh, he's he's gone on to have a family, you know, he's working and all that kind of stuff, so you know he's kind of stopped lifting for a little bit, and then the last one, he same thing, you know, life got in the way, and you know he grew up, had had, had a career and all that kind of stuff, so so it's like all of us have gone our different paths, but we still kind of like catch up once in a while and all that kind of stuff or even like just send a text to each other and say hi and all that so so yeah you know i'm i'm probably the oldest one out of all them you know with two kids and you know a business to run and uh having a few gray hairs so so, well, so it's for just them, funny to see the progression too it's like and that's the beautiful thing about really like any sport and we just kind of see it in weightlifting it kind of reminds me of that movie the sandlot I don't know if you've ever seen the movie The Sandlot with the baseball and they're all kids. And then yep. they kind of all grow up and it tells you at the end of the movie what they've all gone on to do now. Yeah, yeah. I know even from my own club, you know, we've been a club long enough now where you can see different eras of yes. the little community. And then, yes. you know, you look back and you're like, okay, well, Martin moved here and now he's doing that. And this person, you know, isn't lifting anymore, but, you know, they're, they're doing well. They've had, they're growing, you know, raising a family now, you know, it's, it's yep. just cool to see that, that progression and you care about the people, you know, like and oh, yeah. weightlifting and doing uh, something where you have a shared, you know, experience, whether it be a hard experience, you know, like maybe the training stuff or just like going to a meet together and everyone does great. It brings you closer. Yeah. And, and I, I think that's what it is. Like, you know, for us, for us now, it's like, you know, we have a band of like masters athletes, right? Going for all the masters competitions or, you know, even just sitting down and enjoying a glass of wine, right? That's, yeah. that's, that's to them life, you know? And, and it, it's, and for me being the youngest one of the lot, right? Now I've joined that because I've reached the master's age and I can start competing, see? 
So hey, congrats. I just did that myself. I'm, I'm, hey. I'm 35 in the <laughs> sport sporting age. And I just yep. did my first, you know, meet. It was an online meet um, yeah. as a master. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm considered the baby out of the lot because I'm the youngest. But, you know, for them, it's also being able to see, like, I go through the same things as them. You know, I have a family to worry about. I have a business to worry about. You know, some of them are well well versed in their careers already so you know they don't have to stress about that but i'm i'm just i'm just coming out you know doing all my life stuff right yeah. whereas they've been a few decades in right or a decade in at least so so you know i try to put myself out there in the competition or even in the training environment to show them that you know regardless of where you start from you can still step on the platform. You can still enjoy yourself. You can still progress. You can still do these things here while having those stresses in life, you know, because it's how we wear our caps. We wear different caps all the time, you know, and being able to say, hey, I've shifted from the identity of coaching to the identity of being a dad, you know, to all of that. That is really important. And being able to do that myself, then I can tell them, okay, this is what you need to do, you know, as much as you really enjoy weightlifting, you're still a mom to someone, you're still a, 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 a dad to someone, you're still a, a business partner to someone, you know, things like that. And you need to be able to work with that, you know. And, yeah, it's, and and it's, I, it's, and a, then, it's a big part of your life, but it's not only who you are, you know, you're oh, yeah, a much, exactly. much more complex being than that. Yeah, and, and you know, that's the thing, like, because with social media and all that, you see, like, all these um, top lifters, right, who are full-time athletes and young athletes, right, and you want to try to mimic their lifestyle, and and it's it's difficult, you know, like like how are you gonna do that when you have to worry about tuition fees for your kids, right, yeah. or how are you gonna do that? How are you gonna be able to say, oh, let's think about let's think about eating this much this well when you actually have to put food on the table as well. Right, you know, like for me, my priority is my kids. So, you know, like these days, my kids eat more than what I eat because they're growing up, they're growing up and they deserve to eat more. Right. But then I have to consider that, okay, yep, I am not gonna, my nutrition is not gonna be 100% on point, but I'll do what I can within that to make sure that I can still train, I can still, you know, function well and all that kind of stuff. Well, because, and, and to be around too in yeah, 20, exactly. 20 ish years when they're getting married and, and starting to embark upon some of these things in their life too. And now you're and the carry one my sitting own there grandkids, with yeah. experience. Yeah. Carrying yeah, around the grandkids. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least showing the grandkids how to snatch. Right? Yeah, Still being able to squat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I need more grandkids to grow my squad now. So <laughs> everyone needs to pr- produce. It's, it's, it's interesting the, 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 the things that you're saying though, it's because it's like, there's, there's so many different dynamics to it, you know, like you're yeah. more than just a coach. Those athletes on social media are, they're more than just athletes, yeah. but they're also living a lifestyle and you're potentially living a lifestyle that might look more glamorous on the outside than it actually is. You know, like yes. when people are like, well, Hey, I'd love to have a, a giant space with my logo yep. on the wall and barbells <laughs> and all these other things, but they don't consider, okay, well, Lester also cleans the bathroom. 
Lester also has to deal with everybody who comes in and make sure they're being taken care of and deal with being locked down and the, the, the stress that comes with that and managing the place and paying the bills. There's an electric bill, you know, like, do you yep. know about that? There's a heat bill in a, in a, yeah, a big exactly. space like that, but they don't, they don't think about things like that. They think it's just standing in the front of the room and, and coaching and they don't realize, well, you, what you're doing might actually be harder than what they're doing, you know, but yep. you've just chosen this path because you're passionate about it, not because it's easy or glamorous. Yeah, and, and I think that's where, that's where you know, it's been a joy working with athletes that are older than I am because, like I said, they have that life experience. So they kind of know, like, oh, they've started their own businesses. They started their own families, you know. They've been there before. So they kind of empathize with that as well. So then they go like, oh, yep, he's really doing a lot because I've ran my own business and I know that, you know, you have to think about overheads, expenses, things like that, you know. So, so they are very um, supportive in that sense that they know it's not, it's challenging at times and yet I'm still putting out 100% for them, 110% for them all the time, see. So, so, you know, I'm very thankful for that because a lot of them, they've been, through the whole lockdown, they've been really encouraging in that sense to go like, you know, no matter what, we'll be here to support you because, you know, we've been there before, you know, I've started on my own business and I know it's hard, you know, that kind of thing. So I think that's where that demographic has really helped with understanding like, oh, I know, I know what you're going through, you know? And then same thing for me, I also know what you guys are going through because I'm going through it now at this at this age see yeah you know and and having a family and all that to think about as well see so so you know it's like it's like a two-way thing and it boils back down to improving it helps with improving that coach athlete relationship a lot yeah and i, I and it just helps too with like you know like like we've said earlier understanding where the athlete and the person is in life that you're dealing with too whether they be yes. 12 whether they be you know 50 and they've started businesses and they've already been through college and they've already had a couple kids and it's you can learn from both equally too you know i've learned a lot from teaching kids and i've learned yep. a lot of teaching masters and everyone in between you just gotta take what works and add it to your tool bag and and then discard the rest you know and in this pandemic it's all about being uh adaptable right so you know from day one, coaches have always to be, has to be adaptable and flexible. Yeah, you, you, if you don't, you're, you're stuck in your ways and over a period of time, that's going to die out. Exactly. 100%. Yeah. Well, Lester, it's been great talking to you. Uh, I've got yeah, this... one, one, one more question. I know you're, 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 you've got a lot of tools at your disposal. I'm sure you have a lot of apps and you're into the science. There has yep. been a debate in the Albany CrossFit Barbell Club for quite some time. And I may have started this fire and I may continue <laughs> to stoke the fires because I think it's funny and I think it, it brings up competition. Uh, but the debate is on who is the fastest on the team when it, it mainly when it comes to just completion of the lift. So think about a, yep. a very fast looking snatch. There was a okay. lifter from Columbia, oh, Luis, right? Yeah, Luis Javier. Yep. So he's Mascara, super fast. Yeah. Yep, so yep. what we're what we've been trying to figure out since the summer, when I first made these wild claims that yep. may have upset some people, is how yep. how do we find out? How do we measure 
Like, do you have any advice or any tools off the top of your head that would let us measure the speed of the lift and find out who is truly the fastest on the snatch, the clean, and the jerk? So, so I think that boys, like, I always like to ask someone a question when they ask me a question like that is yeah. how are you going to, how, how, how do you determine what's fast, like with speed, right? So are you looking at his bar path? Are you looking at how his body moves? You know, I think right now, what, like it's been all subjective and, and all opinion. And yep. I think when, when I make the claim, like, hey, this person is fast, I'm more looking at their body and yep. when they're when they're going under the, so the speed at which they get to their body to the lockout. Yeah. Someone okay. someone who pulls the bar extra high is probably going to be slow. But someone who yep. keeps the bar lower and whips underneath and their the lift is essentially done for all intents and purposes, I'm like, "All right, that was fast." Yep. But it's well, been opinion I mean, based. Yeah, it's opinion based. Well, what you could do is if you if you are able to get like this if if you're going if you're gonna dive into finding out exactly how it would be objectively, uh, I would I would try to nick one of the like you know high speed videos from either Hook Grip or uh, All Things Gym, mm -hmm. right? The actual 4K video where you have all the frames in between. Find the frame where he starts from the point where the bar is at uh, his finish extension. Right, so he's yeah. finished, comes up to full extension, and then the point where he breaks at his hip, all the way to the catch. So if you if you're able to find like how many seconds that is, right, you can you can then decide whether you can measure the distance he traveled over the amount of time. So that gives you speed. See, that's velocity. Right, so velocity we can, we can... is. We can plug that into an, an equation and figure yeah. it out. Yeah, you know um, what I did for my PhD part of my PhD research, which I never completed, but the when I was still doing it was looking at the changes in joint angles. So, so like how your hip went from extension into flexion, mm -hmm. right? So, so you could actually, so because of the model that we have, like where you had your, we had markers on the hips, we could actually tell when he was fully extended, right? And then we could actually go, okay, from that point to him sitting down into a completely flexed position where it doesn't change anymore, right? That is the, the catch position, see? So how fast he moves from there is the change in angular, um, in his angles, so then we get angular velocity. So then when we have the angular velocity of the hip, then we know how fast he's moving. Okay. I, I like Does this. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. That, that, that makes sense. So but let, let me clarify. So there would be two numbers. There would be yeah. the number from breaking to the floor to full extension. How yep. many frames or how many seconds that took. Then yep. the number where we break from extension to go yep. into the catch. And both yep. of those numbers would go into the velocity equation. And then yep. that would give you the speed. Yes. Does it yes. matter? What is, the, uh, is it um, break from the floor over the... So, so, so more, more, like, more like the the start angle. So like, let's say if you started from like hip flexion being like that, maybe around 30 degrees. 
mm-hmm. into 180 degrees hip flexion, yeah. something like that, right? So the change in the change in angle, so 150 degrees, is the change in angle over how ma- how much time it gets there, right? That will yeah. give you angular velocity, and then from the extension to the flexion again, right? Might go back down to 20 degrees, right? How much time he gets from that to 20 degrees divided by the, like, because it's 160, for example, divided by the amount of time gives you the speed for it, the angular velocity of it. So at the end of the day, what you're looking out for is degrees per second. Yes. Yeah, because that's the change in, that's the angular velocity, see, right? The other thing that I was looking at is actually the transition. So from 180 degrees, opening up to the point where he changes, if he stays at 180 degrees for even like a few microseconds, right? Then he transitions. Then we know that, you know, there's a bit of a lag. And if you look at a lot of intermediate or novice lifters, we always hang out there for a little bit, see? Right? We extend, hang out there for a little bit. Then we start to sit down. Whereas if you look at all these top guys, the moment they hit that full extension, they don't hang out. They just go pop. They just flex back down. Changes very quickly. Yeah, so that change from an upward to downward direction, that transition itself, if it takes more time, you know, then this was part of the data that I found. If it takes more time, that's going to make you lose a lift. Mm -hmm. Whereas if it's shorter, you're actually transitioning under bar quicker which then allows you to be faster for the catch and subsequently increases the chance of making a lift. So now, would there be a, uh, a difference in the weight or the percentage of maximum that's being used that could skew this test? Like, could someone, like so, yes. someone who's very, very strong decide, okay, uh, I'm going to use 50 kilos and just try to rock it down into all this versus the other person is moving at maximal speed at 90% of their, yes, so, their, their best? So the best range to get a good calculation or a more accurate calculation is around 88 to 94%. Okay. Yeah, that's going to that's gonna give you the more, the most, like based off what my studies did, 88 to 94%, that's the range where it's most reliable to be consistent. Would you recommend going just like, all right, let's just go middle of the road, like our 90%, we're going to test yeah. 90%. Like and- even, even 88%, like, you know, I know it's a weird number, but 88%, that's, that's sufficient to give you, you don't have to go past 90%. You can go 88 and that's enough to give you like, oh, okay, let's see what numbers we get out of that and go from there. Okay. So that'll give yeah. us an accurate reading. And then maybe we can put this all to bed uh, we, we would yep. need to record it in 4K, so as high yep. definition as possible. So that so you get, get as many, many frames, frames as possible. Yeah. Okay. Well, Cause, hey, cause we... what, I, what I did for my research was, instead of using a video camera, we actually use motion sensors. So, so basically, it's infrared cameras reflecting off um, shiny, shiny markers on you, right? And, and that gives us like a 3D model of the athlete. That'd be pretty then sick. You, yeah, and then you could actually use that to, so the, 
the software itself would be able to give you data to understand the changes in the angles. Mm-hmm. You know, if I if I I don't know if you can see it, I actually have that poster up there. That that this, one right, the big one right in the middle there. Yeah, right in the middle there. Okay, yep. yeah. I, can you if you go if you see it a little bit more, you can actually see that there's a model of it on the background. Uh, I, I can hard. see the lines. I can see like green yeah, lines. Yeah. I think. Yes, yes, yes. So that's actually that's actually the model itself, where it's just all purely the lower body and the pelvis, and mm-hmm. then you can get all the readings of your hip and your ang- your hip angles and all that kind of stuff. So, so then that's how I calculated like the speed or the change in speed and all that kind of thing. And you know, I was looking at different variables. So like velocity acceleration you know um even like just displacement how much it moves you know that kind of thing and finding something that correlates to successful and unsuccessful lifts i think um this will be a cool experiment to finally put this debate to rest i don't know if we can do the um you know the 3d electrodes or anything like that that's all right that's all right We'll just do a regular if you, if iPhone. You, if you just get a if you just get a good camera and or, or even just your iPhone camera and then you just like you know plot plot the plot the angles, right? What's the what's the um, are you filming head on or are you are you at the side? What's the best? So this angle? this one's a bit of the tricky one. So, I mean, if you're if you're playing around with just like a like a simple experiment, then I would just say side on. Side on will give you the best results of how the angles change. Okay. You gotta take you yeah. you gotta you gotta factor in also like you know when you look from the side, even though your hips flex, there's some form of like rotation as well. Right. So that might change the angle that you look at. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why we use the 3D one because it just gives us a more accurate picture of it. Um, but you know, I mean if you wanna if you wanna squash a debate in the in the gym, you don't need to be to the point where it's like a lab experiment. You know, just go. It, okay, I mean, hey, if the, the debate's heated enough, it might need to get there. People are gonna want to see all the data. What, <laughs> so now, it, did you find that like is there like a correlation on like if you personally saw a lift and you're like, I think that's the fastest one, just with your eyes. How accurate were your eyes compared to the results of the test? Ooh, ooh. Well, if you're if you're saying me now, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm a bit more accurate. But at the time when I was doing my research, I was still pretty novice in 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 my coaching eye. So so I would say I wasn't as accurate before. I needed the I needed the equipment to to give me the results in a sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now probably a little bit maybe I'm not gonna blow my own trumpet but maybe another 10-15% more accurate because okay. it's so fast to the naked eye that it's hard to say it's hard to to specify how who's the fastest because it might look fast but then it could also be because the guy's levers just allow him to do so yeah I'm just yeah. trying to figure out if I can save face or if uh but what, what <laughs> maybe if my own predictions will will come true who 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 are your who are your candidates for this uh, well my 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 candidate for the snatch i'm saying you know in for my lifters uh the fastest on the team would be miguel and okay in 
in the runnings, there's a bunch of other people who could be claim that title now. Haley has gotten much faster. Shaf yep. at times can move very, very fast where it's like, wow, yep. okay, where did that come from? And we need to do that more often, you know, uh, like where yep. you, you move. Uh, Frank is, has also developed a lot of great speed. And then there's Trey who has tremendous speed as well. So like, that's kind of like the, the pool of like, who is kind of in contention to being the fastest on the team. And my pick for the snatch is Miguel. My pick for the clean was Haley. And I believe my pick for the jerk was Frank. Although I I don't remember off the top of my head, I might be wrong, but there's people who are really in the running for that jerk as well. And this would be a split jerk that we're testing. They're all split jerkers. Yep. Well, there are a lot of ways to measure it. And, you know, I think the easiest one I've given you is just looking at the change in angles. Um, If you want another one, it might be just the movement of the the hips or the trunk, right? How fast it moves up and down. Mm -hmm. That's, that's easy as well. You know, you just have to find like where his center of mass sits, where it starts in terms of height, how it goes up and then comes down. See, so, so that's also a side profile. Yeah, also a side profile. I'll say it's a side profile. You can you can do it front on. The only thing with doing it front on is you have to... I don't know if you remember during the seminar, I talked about perspective. Right? Uh, like if you're, top if, you're, yeah, if you look from a higher angle, right? Like from bottom up, he's not going to look like he moves much. So, so wherever you get him to, wherever you put the camera, it has to be probably close to his belly button when, when you are recording it. Oh, okay. Mm. And that's for the other one too, right? Yeah. So, and that would change for the lifter. Yeah, it will change for the height, see. So, okay. So, and well, so that it keeps it change level for... and fair for tall lifter versus shorter. Yeah. And ideally you want to have about maybe two, three meters in terms of distance from the camera, Mm -hmm. because then that takes away more of that perspective error. I almost feel like this could be run as almost a competition where it's like, we're all going to get, we're all going to get together today. We're going to just, and we're going to test and do the, the, the the camera one. It's like, that'd be an interesting way to do a weightlifting meet where it's like, we're not maxing out like instead we're using we don't 88%. care about the weights you're using yeah. yeah we don't care about the weights you're using as long as it's 88 percent it's just how fast you can go let's see who can record the fastest time yeah yeah that i i mean right now it's 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 been competitive there's been a lot of talk there was some trash talk but i, I think it's time <laughs> to kind of to, to put the issue to bed so and i and now i feel like i have the tools to do it i mean we got do it equations we got percentages we got distances camera heights i think it's um i think it's just fun to experiment like this too i mean like it i just said it one day on the podcast you know because i was like what am i going to talk about today and i'm like well here let me throw this out there because we're always you know like like someone does a great lift in the gym and everyone's like yeah he's so fast and i was like well yep. let me add to that i think he's the fastest and of course i, I feel like since I said it, since the coach says it, it like people, you know, some people got jealous. Some people are like, well, hey, I feel like I'm fast. And then they're trying to move faster and they're being competitive, which yep. is all good. You know, it, it helps keep training. Fun, I, if, if I were to be there, I think I'll probably lose because I'm inherent, inherently slow. <laughs> so, so in a way, I'm not, I'm not super fast, mm-hmm. but, you know, it, it's to each... To each of your own, right? Yeah. 
Well, and, and this is good knowledge too, because it lets me know I have to film new videos because all of my yep. videos are filmed with at, to my height with the camera yep. up to my face level, you know, which is <laughs> going to be, and from all crazy angles. So I think yep. having a standardized test will make it yep. completely fair, which is, yeah. it will need to definitely be 100% fair. Got to remove as much opinion out of it as possible. <laughs> get a, get a tripod that helps you. So you can just set it and just keep pressing it. See, so it yeah. helps a lot. I, I feel like um, I can just imagine if this puts like pressure on 88% and people are missing it and freaking out and get mad because <laughs> they're just trying to rocket through super fast. <laughs> well, that's the thing. They still have to think of technique when it's that heavy, see? So they can't like just think of speed, you know? Like like if you look at if you look at how throwers do it, throwers just throw the throw the weight up, you know, because why they're strong enough. But technically they might not be, you know, efficient enough or proficient enough to to sequence it right. See? Mm-hmm. No, I, I think this is a, this would be a fun gym or a, a fun test for any gym to do, you know. Oh yeah. And and then they get data and we'll send it all to you and and, <laughs> and you can you can comment on it. I can somehow. be the uh, the official uh, adjudicator or something like that to go. All right. Yeah, so I, I feel like having a time. third unbiased party. You know, <laughs> it's like all right, everyone. Here's Lester. He's never seen you lift before. He's just going to tell you the truth. <laughs> Miguel is the fastest. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> there I go again. That's all right. And I'm wondering too, maybe it would be all three lifts. So I guess you could win an award for individual yep. lift, but yep, then yep. you take the average of, of the three, right? Yep. And then that you is could get the like, fastest lifter. Yeah, you could get like a, I think, you know, you can do it like a time trial, you know, like how throwers or long jumpers, they have a few attempts, right? To get better and better at it. You know, and, and and sometimes it's also like there's research to show that feedback improves power output, you know. So power output meaning the speed of the movement as well. So so you know, like if they see, oh okay, I'm at I'm at maybe one point two seconds, one point two meters per second or something like that. Okay, I see that. Okay, let me try harder. See. So so it's whether you wanna you wanna allow them to see that beforehand before going yeah. for their next attempt or anything like that. See, Yeah. I, I, I think that's an interesting variable. And with what you just said, you made me realize, I think, I think three attempts, you know, like yeah. three attempts sounds it's fair. Everyone had yeah. a crack at it. So if your first one didn't feel too great, three attempts is the law of the land in weightlifting. So it feels yep. like that would be the appropriate number to pick. Yep, I think you're onto something with a, a new format for competition. There we go. I mean, hey, if, yep. if meets are getting canceled or people are getting burned out on, on them, you got to spice things up, make it interesting, and and it just might, at least might, for bragging it, rights in the gym. Yeah, it might be a totally different uh, format, like totally different competition. So like you know, like weightlifting is always about who's the strongest, how much weight you can lift, and then you know we have another category like who's the fastest. Yeah. And yeah. then, then you have to then you have to dive into like the intricacies of like how do you verify that this eighty eight percent is indeed eighty eight percent and this person isn't yeah. like you know like, like what do you do if you have someone who this is their first meet you know or something yeah. like that like maybe you have to have <laughs> some credentials to, to to back that up or or yeah. long standing in the sport yeah maybe maybe it's like a leak it builds up see you have to build it up before you can get there so like qualify and all that kind of stuff i, I like that yeah and then you can yeah. 
have different type of time trials. <laughs> We're on to something, Lester. Yeah, we are. We are indeed. Awesome. Well, it's been great talking to you again. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, where can people find out more about you, learn about your business, the training geek, and read yes. your articles? Like, like, tell us everywhere we can find Lester. So predominantly, I'm actually most active on Instagram. So that's uh, my handles, Lester Whole KW. Um, you'll find me there talking about, you know, my own training, the training of my athletes and all that kind of stuff and the gym in particular. Um, you can also find me on Facebook under the Training Geek. You know, that's where I share also as much information as I can. My website is thetraininggeek.net. So dot net and that is where you can see what i do uh, all my all my articles that i write about weightlifting strength conditioning uh, even technique biomechanics any any topic related to weightlifting and you know recently i just got back into doing a podcast as well so awesome. so there's the tg podcast on anchor i think it's also on other platforms like spotify or anything like that but if you google the tg podcast you know i've i i I do that together with my other coach, Sarah. And, you know, we just talk about topics that are common through the week. Um, like this week, we talked about feet, you know, like how important the feet are and how the different shoes affect how you live. So, so you know, you can find me there as well. And, you know, if you, if you have any questions about it, don't be afraid to just send me a text or email from any one of those platforms. And, you know, I'll try to get back to them with, with what I know. Perfect. Weightlifting for all. Let you know yes. everyone. Everyone's gotten to know Lester now, so let's reach reach out to him. Great guy, knowledgeable coach, and uh, I will keep you updated on how this uh, saga of the the fastest do. in the club goes once we figured all that out. And uh, so you said it's the TG podcast, right? Is that the name of yes. your show? Okay, yes. perfect. I'm I'm gonna have to add that to my favorites. I have a new show to listen to now. Get Lester Thank every you. day. Ah, nah. All right. Uh, awesome. Yeah, and thank you again. Thank you again for having me on the podcast. And it's always great to like, you know, exchange ideas and share our thoughts and all that with other coaches. So I really appreciate that a lot. Yeah, I mean, this is it's a super fun thing about the podcast. It's like, we could easily have this entire conversation just on the phone, you know, but yep, it's, it's yep. cool to to record it. And yep. this would have been something that years ago, we would have just talked just candidly and 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 about all these ideas and topics, but now other people can learn from it. So that's the best yes. part part of it. Yes, that's that's it. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Lester. Uh, for everyone listening, make sure you follow the Barbell Strikes Back on Instagram. Follow me, James A. McDermott. And again, thank you so much for listening. Lester, we'll have to do it again very soon. Not a problem. Thank you so much.